Hey, Brother Franz, which one did you drink out of? You don't know, do you? It's going to be a long night. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back. Can you hear me okay in the back? Are we good? Testing one, two, three. Amen. Well, it was a good day. Where's the, where's the water? Here we go. Your pastor was kind enough to take me on a small tour of your uh, big city. And it's a tad bit bigger than Ponca City. I'll give you that. Okay. I mean, we have at least 25,000 in our town. You know, you have a couple more, just a couple more. But we went down to the rock and uh, got to go to the top of the rock and look all around, take pictures and send it back. So that was a lot of fun. And we enjoyed that and uh, experienced your subway, which you can have that back. And uh, so I appreciate that. That was good. A little, little warm down there today. Uh, you do have one of the largest Starbucks I've ever been in. That was pretty cool. Okay. So I did like that. But uh, no, it was fun. We enjoyed it. Enjoyed walking around. Good exercise. Uh, good to see the city. And good to be with you all. And uh, glad you came back Saturday night. Now we all know why. I know. Ice cream. I got it. Okay. And uh, so I won't be real long. We should be more than two or three hours. Uh, tonight, and then we'll eat ice cream. So uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to turn there. Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, as we take a, just a quick look tonight and uh, see what the Lord has for us. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you kind of imagine some things. I know we're in church, and I'm not going to have you imagine anything bad. Uh, but I want us to just kind of stop and think for a minute. I, I want you to think in your mind of uh, maybe the most famous people you know. Okay, so I mean, you might come on, it's New York City, okay? Uh, there's got to be some famous people in New York City, maybe not even in New York City, but maybe the famous and, and even the richest people that you would know. And I wrote down a couple just for me, like, uh, of course, LeBron James. He's going to make $20 million, you know, this next year. That, I consider that rich, okay? Um, Michael Jordan still makes a whole lot of money, even though he's not playing. Uh, what, Donald Trump? Yeah, whether you like him or not, pretty rich. Warren Buffett, tad bit richer. And uh, so you have these people that, I mean, it's like they have more money than we can fathom. The rich and the famous, okay? So whoever you think of, that's up to you. It doesn't really matter. Who you might know or think is popular, rich, uh, in the in crowd, whatever it is. Now we're going to do another little thinking and go back just a little bit. What if? What if? Now, some of you are older, so this may not apply as much to you. But we're going to go ahead and pretend anyways, okay? But what if, let's just say, what if they wanted to adopt you? I mean, you become their child. Or if you're already grown, part of their family. I mean, they're going to bring you into their family. And all the rights that come with that. In other words, everything that now you still get to keep your same family. You can visit them once a year. You know, come back, visit them. But I mean, now you're going to live with... LeBron James, Michael Jordan, uh, whoever else you think is rich, Donald Trump, you'll bear their name. And in bearing their name, are you ready? You get to inherit their stuff. Things change for you. I went down to downtown, I saw Saks Fifth Avenue. And uh, I have some daughters-in-laws, and I assumed she might like that, so I went to the Prada section. Uh, not that I know a lot about it, just heard about it. I don't own anything Prada, in case you're wondering. Uh, but I went there, took a picture, sent it to my daughter-in-law, and I got a really nice text back, something like, I hate you. Something like that. And uh, so I was there. Of course, I could care less. I don't, I don't know about Saks Fifth Avenue, but I heard. But I mean, imagine this. You're now adopted by whatever the family is. You bear their name. It's no more shopping at Tar Target. Oh, you call it Target. 
uh, or Walmart. I mean, you shop at the nicest stores you can imagine. Ladies, let me put it in context for you. All the shoes you could ever want. Yeah, let's bring it home, okay? All the shoes you could ever want. All the purses you could ever want. And the nicest ones. I would give you the names. I just don't know what they are. Okay, but whatever they are, I mean, you get it. Coach and whatever. Uh, you get to purchase the nicest ones. And they're yours. And guys, oh, it's good for you too. Are you ready? Here we go, Stephen. Think of a, whatever car you've always dreamed of, man. I mean, whatever car. Because your dad's not buying it for you. I'm going to help you right now, okay? He ain't got no money, okay? He'd be broke. So whatever that car is, don't look at dad. Okay, but I mean, you get, you're adopted by that family. And you get anything. I mean, anything. For me, it's a red Corvette. I told the church, when I show up with a red Corvette, I'm officially in a midlife crisis. You should start worrying right then, okay? Uh, But I mean, whatever it is that you think you would like and you thought you could afford, I mean, it's yours. You say, why are we going through this exercise? Because I want you to know tonight, in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to talk about a guy who actually had that opportunity, and he said, I don't want it. For most of us, we'd say, bring it on. You know, I'll try it for a little bit, preacher. You know, yeah, go ahead, bring it on. I'd like to try that lifestyle, have everything I'd ever want. And this guy was given it, and he said no. And by saying no, he made a choice. And tonight I'd like to talk to you about choices. I don't know if you're aware of this or if you're conscious of it, but um, our choices affect our life. Now, here's the thing. I believe in starting choices really young. But I'm looking out and some of you aren't really young. So here's what I always say. Are you ready? Start where you're at. You cannot go backwards. You cannot go back and say, I wish I wouldn't have done that a year ago, five years ago, or ten years ago. Aren't you glad we have what's called the grace of God? Ah, so thankful God forgives us and, and uh, He takes away so much out of our, our lives. I thank God for that. And I thank God for the grace. But there's two parts to our, to our destiny in our life. There is the grace of God. And are you ready? Choices we make. Now, you can't do much with the grace of God. That's up to God. But you can control your choices. You can make decisions in your life that we are accountable for. And I'd like us to stand tonight and look at Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at the life of Moses for just a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 11, the life of Moses. As we pick up this story, most of you are probably familiar with it. In verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Boy, I wish I could preach that one. Uh, I tell you, parents, your faith is so important. So important. I think some of the choices that Moses makes is because of godly parents. And he says here, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Now look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Lord, we come to you now. We know about Moses if we've been in church. What a great leader. What a great man. But Lord, we see the greatness that was in his life came by choices he made early on. Your hand was upon him, Lord, because he chose to do that which was right in your sight. And Lord, I pray tonight you'd open up our hearts and minds to receive your truth. And Lord, that we too would make choices. That would transform our lives. We thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Now, we look at Moses. Like I said, what a great guy. We pick it up in this context. And, of course, 
we go back to Exodus, if we had time to read about Moses and what took place. Exodus chapter 1, Joseph is gone. It's been several hundred years, I think about 300 if I'm not mistaken. And they forgot about Joseph. Matter of fact, chapter 1 tells that. They forgot about all Joseph did, all Joseph provided. And now we have this new culture, this new reign, uh, 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 this new dynasty that's there. And they begin to oppress the Jews. And in that, the leader begins, as you understand and remember from verse 23, they begin to kill all the male children. But Moses was put in a basket. Remember that story? Thrown on the river. Great story. And Pharaoh's daughter, his household, she picks up that baby. What an irony. She picks up the baby that uh, dad said, let's kill. And she brings it home and she takes care. Of course, we know she doesn't so much take care of. But she goes and finds someone to kind of take care of and by chance, just by luck, just happened to happen. Doesn't happen that way, does it? She runs out and what do they find? The mother. Moses' mother gets to raise, are you ready? She gets to raise her son Moses and uh, Pharaoh pays for it. Man, wouldn't that be nice if you could raise your kid and someone else paid for it? So they're raising the kid, someone else is paying for it. She has all this influence. And now we pick it up. In verse 23, and by faith Moses, when he was, I mean, verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years. In other words, he's old enough now. So how old is he? He's old enough, he's come to years. He can make his own decisions. He can say yay or nay. He has a choice. He doesn't just have to follow what everyone else is doing. He can choose. It's a critical time in his life. I believe from an early age you can make choices. I love the story of Josiah. I have a sermon on Josiah, eight years old. He becomes king of Israel and chooses to do what is right. So if an eight-year-old can choose to do what is right, I'm looking here, most of you are older than eight. So he made some choices that affected his life. Moses now is here. Think about this. He lives in Pharaoh's house. He drives the fanciest chariots because they ain't got no cars. He eats the richest food. He eats what he wants. If there's a party involved, he's invited. If he wants to go, he can go. If we put it in our vernacular today, He can drink. He can do drugs. He can be immoral. He can do whatever he wants. And their culture says, it's okay. Their culture says, go for it. The old, can we say it this way? If it feels good, do it. That's probably not original to us. Okay? The old, I'll do it my way. Probably not original to us. Pretty sure way back then, with all the power, all the influence, he's in Pharaoh's house. No one told him what to do. He had access to everything you could imagine. And in that position, with nobody telling him no, he said, are you ready? No. We're going to talk about choices that transform. Maybe first talk about this. In verse 24, it says this. Moses, when he came to yours, refused. Refused. Can I help you real quick? You are old enough to refuse some things. You're old enough to refuse some things. He lists two particular things that he refused in his life. Number one. I don't want your name. You know, names are important. That's why I'm glad to be called a Baptist. I'm not ashamed. We're not ashamed of being called a Baptist at all. Talks about our heritage. Talks about those who paid the price before us. Talks about our doctrine. I'm proud to be called a Baptist. Not ashamed. Matter of fact, I'm John the Baptist. It's my first name. I know you didn't know that, but it's true. So I'm not ashamed of that whatsoever. It's important. But here it is. It's a name. You're Moses. You have Pharaoh's name attached to you. That opens every door, all the power, all the access. And he says, I don't want 
your name. Wow. What do you you mean? It'd be like turning down that famous person's name I talked to you at the beginning. I don't want to be associated with you. You've got to be kidding me. If you're not associated, you don't get all this access right. I, uh, I'm convinced of this. Um, if we're going to make the right choices that are going to transform our lives, we're going to have to learn a word. It's called no. You know what it is. It's the first word your parents teach you. It is. Think about it. It's not mom, dad. It's no. They're getting ready to touch something. No. They're getting ready to do something. No. And then we teach them dad. Dad. They always say mom first. I don't know why. But dad, I mean, we go down. So you learn no, but somewhere in between being a baby and growing up, we begin to despise that word no. It's as though someone's taking something away from us and no one's going to tell me what to do. Can I tell you? You better learn that word no one more time. It'll save your life. You're grown up now and it's time for you to start saying no to some things. Now I can list a hundred things for you. That's not the purpose of the message. Two particular things in this passage. Number one, he says, I don't want your name. That's significant. Say, what do you mean? He says, I don't want to be associated with Pharaoh's household. Now, wait a second here. Would you go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 real quick? Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. One of my favorite verses. Galatians 5, 7. Critical, critical verse. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul talking says this. You, ye did run well. Ye did run well. And then he says this. Who? Who did hinder you? That you should not obey the truth. So you were running well. Talking about the Christian life. You were on the Christian path. Doing good. But then suddenly you got off. Can, can, I, can I help you real quick? Do you know why people who are really saved. Really love God. Get off track. Who's? What? Yeah. Let me help you. Um, not booze. I didn't say booze. Um, I didn't say drugs. I didn't say morality. All the big ones. Would you really like to know the number one reason people get off track? Are you ready? People. It's called influence. See, he said, I don't want your name. I don't want your influence in my life. And can I tell you, as a believer, when I watch people getting off track, it's usually because of Galatians 5, 7. You were doing so good, but you failed to protect your relationships. And I'm telling you, people influence us. I tell young people all the time, uh, Brother... um, Jet and I were just talking about that. So how do you make sure your kids turn out? I'm like, man, that's a tough one. Uh, it's tough. It really is. But, but I know this. I said one of the biggest things is this. Influence. I'm spending all this time, all this effort, all this money, all this prayer, all this teaching. And then all of a sudden, uh, they, they hook up with somebody and they become friends with somebody that doesn't have the same heart and desire. And they follow that person and they corrupt them. Now, I realize they allow it because they made the choice of that friend. But can I tell you, parents, you say, well, should I, should I help choose my friends? Yes! Should I be cautious of my kids' friends? Yes! Why? They can unravel everything you've done in a short time. Everything. Gone. I've watched it over and over. Young ladies, find that guy. And he's not exactly the right guy. And she's sharp, and she's good, and she gets influenced by the wrong person. That young man. By the way, are you ready? In the Bible? Wish I could preach this one, too. Uh, did you know... That uh, actually, young ladies, there's no warning for you about who you marry. Shocking. But guys, there's like Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 warning you about girls. Because they're evil. Girls are evil. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong, wrong group. But no, seriously. You, you look at it. He says, I got to warn you about this. 
And he gives us all these warnings. He's saying, hey, in other words, whoever you connect with and you marry, they will influ- my wife influences me. Shocking. As much as, as I say, no, I'm the man, she won't influence me. She does. She influences everything about my life. You know, 29 years later. And uh, don't tell her this, okay? She'll have way too much power if you tell her this. I'll need the scrap off the, uh, off the audio, okay? But uh, yeah, she does. She influences a lot of what I do. I, I go to bed early now. Why? She goes to bed early. Now, the only thing she hasn't affected me on is getting up early. Okay, she gets up like 5 in the morning. That's ungodly. I'll just tell you right now, 6, 6.30 is so, so much more of a godly time. Okay, but outside of that, but they do. Let's just be honest. Don't your friends influence you? Well, sure they do. They influence your thought and where you go and what you do. And, 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 and it's not that you shouldn't be friendly to people, but your most intimate friends should be people that are like-minded. And at this age, at an age where you can make a decision, he looked and he said, you know what? I am a Pharaoh's house, but I don't want your name. And he was saying this, I don't want your influence in my life. No, I'd rather associate with these other people. And he associated with the Jews who were being oppressed. I get this. Who were being oppressed. But he said, I'd rather be with them than with this household. Now remember, for almost 30 years, he saw what was taking place in that household. He saw the immorality. He saw the ungodliness. He saw the effect. He saw the attitudes. He said, I don't want it. Some of you are doing really good. Maybe all of you are doing really good. But I'll warn you tonight. If you're going to continue to make choices that transform your life, and God bless you, a big one is who you hang out with. Number two, he said this. Look at the next verse. Under that refusing. He said in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction, I like that with the people of God, then enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I know this is a big apple. Las Vegas is called Sin City. But I'm going to imagine you have every sin available here. It's kind of big. So I'm going to guess you have everything available here. And I know we think, man, you know, my temptations are so much greater because, you know, I've got every temptation here. I just want you to know, so did he. And, and honestly, he had the money to do anything. I'm convinced most of us are broke for a good reason. Because if we had all the money we could imagine, we'd be dirty, wicked sinners all the time. And one of the things that stops us is we can't afford it. You know, let's just be honest, can't afford it. Don't have enough money to do whatever that is or to go there or to waste my money on that. So I don't get involved in a lot of sins because it's expensive. I don't drink. I'll just be honest with you. Never have. I don't even have a desire. Uh, but I've seen prices of alcohol. And I'm like, how do you afford that? Go to a ball game. Eight, nine, ten bucks for a beer. You've got to be kidding me. That's expensive stuff. He had the money. I mean, he could do whatever he wanted. He said, I can have it. No one's telling me no. And he said this, I don't want it. Why? He understood something you need to get. Sin. Sin is fun. Did you just say that, preacher? Yes. Sin is a blast. You know how I know? Because if it wasn't, we wouldn't do it. It's a blast. Well, that's not really good preaching, preacher. Are you encouraging us to sin? No. I'm just being honest with you. Here's the problem, though. He understood where it ended. What does James say in 115? Sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth what? Death. At his age, he got it. Why? He saw it in Pharaoh's house all the time. He said, the people taking this path of just indulging whatever pleasure that was available and whatever you have, just saying, I don't care, I'm just going to live my life. Whoever was doing that, they weren't happy, they weren't joyful, they lived a life of death. So for those of you in the Christian life, 
saying, man, I just feel so confined. It's always no, no, no. I'm telling you right now, here's one of our greatest leaders, renowned by Jews and Christians alike, who could do whatever he wanted. And he said, no, he refused. I told you before, I could go through a long list. I guess I, I here's, here's how I believe. I don't think I have to stand up here and list every sin. Most likely, I'll miss yours. And I'm definitely not mentioning mine. Okay, so we're going to miss yours. You're going to walk out and go, Whoa, preacher didn't preach on that one. But I think if you're saved, you have what's called the Spirit of God. And I think you know, I know what bothers me. You know what bothers you. And may I remind you, sin may be fun, but the price that you pay for it and the consequences are always greater, always greater than the joy. You will always pay more. And so here's Moses. He teaches us this. Just learn to say, once again, no. Saying no is a good thing. But now, wait a minute. That's not all he did. If you're going to make choices, I believe you start by saying, I'm going to refuse these things. But we just read it. Look again. Look at verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah. So I don't want you to go out and be rich and famous. And I don't want you to have all this going for you. Instead, I want you to choose affliction, pain, suffering, trials. A lot of people are going to sign up for that one. Yeah, sign me up. That's what I want. But again, that's what he's doing. But let me tell you what this is. He is refusing one thing. And let me give you the principle. He's replacing it with something else. Okay? Brother Jet taught the pastors that. Good principle in Ephesians. But it's true. When you say no to something, you always have to replace it with something else. A lot of people start out really good. They make a decision for God. And they give something up that's really uh, kind of taking them down, putting them in addiction of whatever kind. And they know it's wrong, but they get up and they never replace it. You've got to replace it. If you're going to give up some friends, you've got to make other godly friends. That takes time. Well, how do I do that? Man that had friends must show himself friendly. Try being friendlier. That's how you get friends. Start talking to people, be more open, not like New Yorkians. Yeah. I don't know. I think probably most of New York probably thinks I'm weird. Yeah. Almost like Germany when I went over there. I'd say hi to everybody. I'm starting to do that here in New York just for the fun of it. You ever notice everybody wears those earphones here? Man, that is so much fun for me. It's just a challenge for me to get their attention. Because you're walking down the street, they're like, no eye contact. Don't want to look at anybody. Don't want to hear anybody. And I'm like, that don't work for... Us in Oklahoma, we say hi to everybody. So we're like, how you doing? Hello. They're turning their head. And I'm like, hi. You say, why? Because it is. It's a different place. It really is. I, I get that. But can I tell you, it may be hard to make friends, but you can do it. I, I tell you a good place. You're sitting in it. You're sitting in it. Well, preacher, there's not enough people here my age. We'll go win someone to the Lord. Go by and by the way, what does that matter? Why do they have to be your age? Well, they're not going to understand me. No one's going to understand you. Okay, so forget that. But seriously, I've got friends 10, 20 years older than me, 10, 20 years younger than me. I, mean, I don't see where that's an issue. You're making it an issue. But God will provide you good fellowship right here if you allow Him to. People that can become very close to you if you allow Him to. Well, they don't understand. They don't have a family and kids. I didn't know that was a requirement. You can make friends. But listen... If you say no to the world's influence and you don't replace it with godly friends, you'll go right back. You'll go right back. You pick anything. You get rid of a wrong music, you better replace it with some good ones. I, mean, I don't care what it is. You say, first say no, but look what he said. 
He chose rather. Are you ready? And you've got you to get in his mind. It is not this. Uh, let me come down there. I've got to talk to you face to face. This is not his thought. I just love to suffer. Seriously? Nobody does. But here's how serious he was. He kind of weighed it. And he said, all the pleasure, all that they have there, I could do. Are you ready? That's all the pleasure of Egypt. That's all the pleasure of the world. And he said, it's below. Are you ready? It is below being a Christian, at that time being a Jew, serving God, and being in affliction. Think about that. I mean, at the bottom, where I'm living a very rough life, and they did. Hard work all day long, all the time. Being oppressed. He said, I would rather be oppressed than to live their lifestyle of total freedom and doing anything I wanted. Now, can I tell you something? That's a smart man. Because he was looking past the now to the future. And he said, I would rather do this right now if that's what God wants. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a prosperity preacher. Um, I do believe that in this life we will suffer because this life is wicked. But I also think there's great joy as well. We'll talk about it here in a minute. I really do. But the fact of the matter is, we just live in a wicked world and things aren't getting better. Okay? And Moses saw that in his time and still said, I'd rather choose to be with God's people. Folks, once you say no, that's good. But please, please make sure you replace it. You choose rather that which God wants for you. Now, those two bases are for the, really the point I want to get to tonight. Just had to get there. Um, why don't more people do that? What do you mean, preacher? No, really, why don't more people do that? Why don't more people choose the Christian life? Just put it plain. Why don't more people choose to live the Christian life? I'm from Oklahoma. We have a large church. A lot of people come. And a lot of our people, honest, they're saved and they're going to heaven. But they don't live the Christian life as well as they ought to, just to be honest with you. Okay? There's several reasons. Some are new and they're growing. But a lot of them, I'm convinced why, and it's this last point I want to get to. A lot of them are this. I'm convinced that we live more worldly and carnal for this reason. Are you ready? We think the world has more to offer than Christianity. What it is. And we don't verbalize that. But if we be honest, our lifestyle says this. I think there's more fun in the world. There's no more pleasure in the world. There's more joy in the world. I want to be saved and go to heaven. You betcha, man. Okay, I want... And I believe in God, but... But I think there's more fun there. And we know that by what? The way that we often live. It's as though this, that if I live the Christian life, I'm getting ripped off. Well, can I say it this way? I'm missing something. Can I tell you? Wrong thinking. Let's look at the next verse. What's he say? He says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Verse 25. Look at verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Wait a minute. Esteeming the reproach. In other words, greater. I put more value on the fact that I'm looked down upon as a filthy Jew, inferior to the Egyptians. That's me. But he said this, I esteemed that title, that lifestyle, as greater, are you ready? Riches than the riches of Egypt. All the gold, everything you could imagine that he had in Pharaoh's house. He said, no, 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 no. This is junk. It's all going to pass away. But what I get from God will last forever. Now and then. And so I'd like you to look at something. James chapter 1, verse 17, real quick. James 1, 17. And wait, before you go there, 
Hebrews 11.6. You're already there, so I don't want to come back. But take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a, what's that word? Rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. So, by faith, we must believe that he is, and that he, he is the great rewarder. Now, James 1.17. Hebrews, James, next book over. It's right after James 1.16. Can't miss it. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from, oh, wait a minute, well, from the world. And cometh down from Satan himself, in whom is no, I'm sorry, wrong version. I hate it when I read the wrong version. I'm, I'm sorry. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from, well, that says above. Well, now, wait a minute. That's like, that we're like, God lives? That's so strange. So, so the Bible just say every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God, not the world? That's what he said. Huh. Okay. Well, let's read on. He says, um, Cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What's that mean? Well, no variable means, means it's the same rule for everyone. Think about that. It's the same rule for everybody. In other words, the measuring stick doesn't, well, I'm a pastor, so I get blessed more than you. Just I'll let you know. It's not what it says. No, no, no. You sat close in the row. Sorry. Wrong place to sit. You're in a pastor's family, so you get blessed more. No. That's not what it means. No, that doesn't at all. What's it mean? There's no variableness. If you bless Moses, he has to bless you. That's what he's saying. He says the same rule for everybody. He says the great gifts, the best gifts. Are you ready? Come from God. Listen, I'm a, I'm a gift giver. One of my things is I like to give gifts. I've already bought several souvenirs. And although they're cheap and will probably fade away, I still like to give gifts. You say, why? It's my way of saying, you know, I love you. I care. Uh, I, I don't know why. It's just always been that way. Uh, so when I, when I travel, I had to call my wife. She hates me giving her gifts. Really weird relationship, going to tell you right now. Because I like to give gifts. She doesn't like them. Matter of fact, every year at Christmas, she says, don't get me a gift. Okay. I lie every year at Christmas and have to repent the day after. Why? Because every year I get her a gift. And she knows it. I'm like, I can't stop it. I start shopping. Uh, we already have Christmas gifts right now. Most of the time, by the end of September, I'm done with my Christmas shopping. Well, kind of. Problem is I find other stuff. But I have all of our Christmas lists list done by the end of September. I'll find stuff. I'll get on the internet. I'll start ordering. Then, of course, as it gets cl- closer, there's cool stuff I found again. And I have to get you. You don't need to get that for them. I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I was so cool. I got to get it for them. Yeah, it's just this way. I can't wait for grandkids. <laughs> I will be broke when we have grandkids. Pray for the pastor. It's not going to be pretty. You say why? Uh, because I, I love to give gifts. I really do. Uh, I was telling Brother Pete, I, I own a truck. And no lie. The people in our church use my truck more than I do. I pay the insurance, the gas, and the payment. You know? And love it. Why? I'm just a giver. I feel good. That they, Pastor, can I borrow your truck? Yeah, take it for a week if you need it. Hey, my car broke down. Go ahead, take it. You know, but that's just me. I, that's just what I enjoy. But growing up, I also knew this. You always find the best gift givers. In my family, like your family, I'm going to tell you who the normal best gift giver is. Are you ready? Mom. Mom. 
I'm going to tell you why. She's nicer. Growing up, ice cream truck is coming down the street. Dad, dad, no! I think it's the only word dad knew. No! Dad, we went out. Never mind. We quit asking dad. Guess who we asked? Always mom. We go, mom, can I have an ice cream? Yes. She'd go to her purse, empty it out. We'd go to the couch, literally start moving it up, see if there's any change that fell. I mean, she would just grab change that she was saving for something else. She'd give it to us, you know, instead of coloring her hair, we'd get an ice cream cone. Never appreciate it until we got older. But we always asked mom. You never went to dad first because there was going to be no other dad. But mom, she could give good gifts. So I learned, make mom happy. At least in important times. Now think about this. Who's the best gift giver in the world? God. No, no, the greatest gifts are God's. We spend all this time trying to impress people who give us things that really don't matter. But God said this, I am the great rewarder. And here Moses, at a a young age, not not young to us, but young to them, and somewhere around 30 years old, and here he is, and he refuses to take this name, and he chooses to take the name, we would say Christianity in our vernacular. He chooses the Christian lifestyle because he he got it. What's that? He wasn't losing anything by going through a little bit of affliction. He wasn't losing anything. He was gaining everything. And I'm convinced until you get that, you won't serve God the way you should. You'll kind of have what I call this part way in and part way out. Do just the basics of Christianity, but not all the way sold out because you think you're missing something. And the older you get, you realize the only thing we're missing is the things that really matter. Probably my favorite story on that is a dad who had a daughter and, uh, he would go up every night and uh, read a story to her, have prayer, you know, that type of thing. And So one night he went up and uh, she was sitting on the bed and they read their story. And then he looked at her and he said, uh, honey, and she had, um, she had bought uh, for her birthday uh, a little set of fake pearls. It was a couple bucks at the dollar store. But she had worked and got some money for her birthday and done some work around the house. The parents gave her some money. She loved it. That little set of fake pearls she wore everywhere but the bathtub. Because mom wouldn't let her. Because if they washed it, it was going to turn colors. Because they were fake pearls. So she'd take it out just for that. But I mean everywhere. She slept in those things. As little kids would do. So her dad came up to her one day and said, Honey, can I have your pearls? And she said, Oh, no, Daddy. That's my favorite. You can have my doll. I like my doll, but you can have my doll. And the dad politely said, No, thanks, honey. Had a word of prayer went. It was a couple days later. It wasn't just the next day, but several days later, we went up and again. He noticed she was playing with the pearls, and again, he thought he'd ask. Say, honey, hey, you love daddy? Sure do. How much do you love daddy? Oh, with all my heart. Can I have your pearls? Oh, no, daddy. You can have my rocking horse. It's cool. It's ruined and everything. You can play with it. You can have that, but not my pearls. He said, okay, no problem. Several more days went by. He went up, and as girls do, she was sitting on her bed, her legs crossed. And she was kind of crying. And he walked up and says, honey, what's wrong? And he sat down next to her and he says, honey, what is wrong? And she began to cry and said, daddy, I'm so sorry. Daddy, I do love you. And if you want my pearls, you can have them. And she took off the pearls and she gave to her daddy. Literally, simultaneously, every night he'd gone up to her room. And he and his wife had went out and bought her a real set of pearls. And they were in his pocket. And as she was taking off her pearls... He was reaching in his pocket and pulled out the real set of pearls. He said, honey, I just, I've been waiting to give you these. 
And I thought, wow, how powerful. You know, even as a little girl, she was hanging on to something that was cheap and fake. When all along, Daddy had the real thing. I always remember that story. And when I come to a passage like this, it resonates in my mind. Most of us are living a life with cheap, fake pearls. And we're not as happy as we could be. We're not enjoying as much as we ought to be. We're not satisfied with peace and joy. All that God promises. And we think, well, we're, why don't I have that? I'm going to help you. Because we don't want to make the choices it takes to get there. We don't want to say no to some things that are bad to us. We don't want to replace it with some things that are good for us. And we don't realize what's really important. The greatest rewards in life come from our Heavenly Father and not from this world. Everything will fade away, folks. But God, oh, you ought to rather to suffer as a Christian, to be attacked and rebuked and looked down upon. Because God will take care of you. And He will provide more than you can ever imagine. And when you get that thought, the Christian life will always be difficult. But it sure is a lot easier when you realize, I'm not missing out on anything. I'm gaining the world by serving God. And that's where I believe we need to get to. That's where Moses got to. And by the way, you're reading about him about three, 4,000 years later. Because he did something that, are you ready? Everybody can do. Everybody can do. But if you don't do it, and I'll close with this, do not, do not expect the great blessings of God if you won't take the path and make the choices to get it. They are open to everybody. But you have no right to get mad at God because your life is upside down. Get mad at God because everything's not coming your way. Get mad at God when you, you're choosing sin. You're choosing relationships. You're choosing things that aren't what God wants. And God says, I want so much better. But you're making the choice not to come and get it. Because I've made it open to everybody. Make the choice. It'll transform you. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Moses, Lord. What a man of faith and a life of faith that he surely did live. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray to you with all of us, Lord. Lord, this world is a strong influence on our life. We cannot deny that. There are difficult days, strong temptations that affect all of us. But Lord, may we, may we have the same type of courage as Moses. The same type of understanding as Moses. Lord, there's some that need to come and begin to refuse some things in their life. Say no to some things, some relationships, some sins. Some have done that, Lord, but they're still struggling because, Lord, they've not replaced it. Some need to come and make some choices to replace some friends, to replace some things in their life. But, Lord, all of us need to get a grip on understanding this. This world has nothing to offer us. The greatest life is the Christian life. And, Lord, I'm not just saying that. It's a proven fact, not just thousands of years ago, but today. The happiest, most joyful people I know are serious, surrendered Christians. So tonight, Lord, may this great body in New York City, Lord, show the rest of the city that the best life is a Christian life. May they make a commitment tonight, Lord, to say yes to you and no to the world. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand and...